the Coptic month of Apip, but as you're probably when there's a Five Sundays in a month, that's like extra blessing. We call that extra blessing. And usually we would read the, the gospel of the blessing, which is the blessing of the five loaves and two fish. But as you probably realize, we didn't read any of that. We actually read a different gospel, and that's because today's even even more special because it's the 29th of the Coptic month. And every 29th day of every Coptic month, we celebrate three feasts. We celebrate the Feast of the Annunciation, which is celebrated uh, the 29th of Baramhat, which is usually April 7th. So we celebrate the Annunciation, we celebrate the Feast of Nativity, and we celebrate the Feast of the Resurrection, all today. So we celebrate the Feast of Annunciation, Feast of Nativity, and the Feast of the Resurrection. And today we read the Gospel for the Feast of the Annunciation, which was uh, of Archangel Gabriel, to to St. Mary. And the reason uh, the Annunciation is such a major feast, it's because this was the first step in the process of salvation. The first step in the process of salvation. And today we celebrate the words or the glad tidings that the Archangel Gabriel gave to the Virgin when he said, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And the Annunciation is so important and it's very exciting. And I thought of two analogies to describe the Annunciation. The Annunciation, I think, could be analogous to the day of an engagement. You know, on the day of an engagement, a, fa- a couple, a family, their spiritual father, they come together and they plan, they announce their plan to wed. They announce their plan to wed. It's like the start of the the wedding day. From that time forward, everyone is looking forward to the the wedding day. So like in this analogy, the Annunciation is like the engagement, and then the wedding day would be like the Feast of the Nativity. Another analogy to maybe highlight the excitement of the Annunciation is like um, you've applied to maybe your dream university. You're waiting for your dream university to get back to you. And you've applied and you've been waiting so patiently. And every day you go and you check the mail and you check your email or it's a dream job or something. And you're so excited and you're waiting. And then one day you check your mail and you find the letter that says you have been accepted into such and such place. You've been given a great scholarship. You've been... You know, you've gotten the job that you wanted. This would be like the Annunciation, glad tidings. And, you know, from that point on, your excitement level is, is at a new high. That's what the Annunciation was to us. Because for 400 years, from, there was 400 years between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that 400 years was like people waiting in anticipation for the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, for 400 years. And through that time, the, the Jewish nation, the Israelites, were suffering, suffered oppression under the Greeks. And uh, one ruler, his name is Antiochus Epiphanes, he just desecrated the temple, and people were waiting for a deliverer. And then one person came and fought against him. Maybe you know the story of the Maccabees. And then after that, it got worse. You thought the Greeks were bad? Then came the Romans after. And big oppression. 
So now the Jews are waiting for 400 years for a deliverer. They were waiting for a deliverer like Moses. Moses came and took his people out of bondage and took them out of slavery. They wanted someone like Joshua, someone who defeated the kings, the five kings, and knocked down the walls of Jericho. They were waiting for someone like David, David who crushed the Philistines and restored, you know, and made a consecrated place for God in Jerusalem. So they were waiting for a Messiah. And so when the archangel Gabriel came to St. Mary, it was like, yes, the time has come. The time has come for the Savior to be born. The time has come for our salvation. So in the liturgy, we say something very beautiful. We say, you have not abandoned us to the end. You have not abandoned us to the end. But you have always visited us through your holy prophets. And in the last days, you did manifest yourself to us who are sitting in darkness and the shadows of death. The Annunciation, we are so excited that now we were sitting in darkness. Now the Savior is coming. We're going to be in the light. So the Annunciation, I thought of maybe four reasons why we should be very excited for the Annunciation. Four reasons why we should be excited for the Annunciation. One reason to be excited for the Annunciation is we are excited to live, as I just mentioned, in the light. We're excited to live in the light. I like to think of the church as like a lighthouse. It's like a lighthouse and it shines its light in all the places. And it's a place that's fixed. You know, a lighthouse is a place of reference. The same is like the church because God's presence in it makes it a fixed point of reference. It doesn't waver. When you're lost, where do you look? You look at the lighthouse, you find your direction. You find where you're supposed to go. You know, in Isaiah it's written, the people who sat in darkness. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. That's the way Isaiah described it and Matthew took that in Matthew chapter 4 to describe the coming of the Messiah. And he said, those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, the shadow of death is the same words we use in the liturgy, a light has dawned. I remember when uh, we went to Bolivia, my first time I went to Bolivia, and we were visiting the country, and Bolivia is a country, like a very poor country, and very, like, drugs are rampant, and like, uh, you know, most mothers are single mothers, and like, men, like, just impregnate several women and just leave them, and so many of the kids are, are left by themselves, and it was like, uh, like, when we went into some really poor villages, and it was like, it was unbelievable. But then I saw the church in Bolivia as a light. Like, and actually it was my quiet time. The first day I was in Bolivia, I opened up and I read, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. The church is a great light. Now you see these people, they come every day, they partake in the church services. They, they live a completely different way of life. Those people once in darkness... Now in the church is light, to be in the light. And I think that's why the church describes our Lord Jesus Christ as the star, the morning star, the one that gives light to the whole world. 
So I hope, uh, and as, as Christians, we're supposed to be reflections of that light. And that's also why in the reading of the Catholic epistle today, we speak about how you guys are sons of light, and you should walk in light. Because in the Annunciation, we're excited to be in the light. That's number one. Number two. Number two, we're excited to be free. To be free. Because life without Jesus is oppression. Life without Jesus is oppression. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be a slave to our passions. And I need to, like parents, sometimes we make Christianity oppressive. It's not supposed to be oppressive. Christianity is supposed to be freedom. When you come to to be Christian, now you are free. When you see people... Usually, if you're not Christian, maybe you judge them on the way they look, the way they dress, the way they, how much money they have. But now as a Christian, now you're free. Your mind should be free from judging people by how they look or how they dress or where they come from. This is freedom. Christianity gives freedom. Gives, we were oppressed in bondage before Christ and He came and took the shackles off. One of my favorite passages in the Scripture is uh, from Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ, He walks into the temple and He's handed something to read. And He reads from the prophecy of Isaiah. And what He reads is, hear this, He says, the Spirit of the Lord, imagine this, like someone walks into the church and it's time for reading, and we say, you, come read. And then He comes and reads. And then this is what he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, to proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then... After he was done, it's written, he closed the book, and everyone was like, and he went and, have a, and had a seat, and then he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. It's like a mic drop moment right there. That he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence today. I have come to give freedom Freedom from the oppression, freedom from lust, freedom from all the bad things. Christ gives freedom. Another reason we should be excited for the Annunciation is because now we are excited to meet the second person of the Trinity called the Logos. The second person of the Trinity called the Logos. What is the Logos? The Logos is the Greek word for what St. John describes the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, in the beginning was the Word or the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. The Logos. Why the Logos? Or in English we translate it Word. Because the Logos is like the expression of the Father. Don't you use words to express what's in your mind? The Lord Jesus Christ is the expression of the Father. He is the 
Logos. He is the source of reason, the logic of the Father. The words that are used to describe, uh, to, the words used to, to express God, the Father. In the Old Testament, before the Logos was, there was something called wisdom. Wisdom. The Logos of the New Testament was wisdom, manifested as wisdom in the Old Testament. Who had wisdom in the Old Testament? Solomon. Listen to how Solomon describes wisdom. Listen to how Solomon describes wisdom. He says, wisdom is better than rubies. Wisdom is better than rubies. And all things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Nothing can be compared to wisdom. Now, wisdom in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the Logos in the New Testament. That's why if you notice, Solomon, he tries to personify wisdom. You know what personify means? Personify means he treats wisdom as a, as a person. He says, this wisdom is so beautiful. What, wisdom is an abstract thought, right? No, but he's describing wisdom as a person. Later on in the Proverbs, look at how Solomon describes wisdom. He says, wisdom has built a house. Wisdom has built a house. She has hewn out seven pillars on this house. She has slaughtered her meat. Wisdom has slaughtered meat. Wisdom has slaughtered meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn to her. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine. What are you thinking about when you hear bread and wine? The Eucharist. Come eat my bread and drink of the wine I've missed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. Wisdom of the Old Testament became a person. Became evident in the person of Jesus Christ, the Logos. That's why John chapter 1, he says, The Logos became flesh. The Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only, full of grace and truth, as of the only begotten of the Father. In Christ we meet wisdom. We meet the Logos face to face. And when you hear the words of Christ, you see the truth in them. That's why when atheists, I used to go to a very, I used to live with a bunch of really scientific, like genius, smart people. And they would always say, uh, we don't believe in God or we don't do these things. And the irony, the irony is although these people are the most brilliant people of their whatever, I asked them, have you read the scripture? Have you read it? They say, no. That's okay. So what are you, you're sitting here, you, you watched a couple of YouTube videos and now you're a Bible scholar and you're going to come and say that you don't believe in God? If you read the gospel, if you meet wisdom... When you read the gospel, you, you meet wisdom. You see the truth of Jesus Christ. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ says, Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Hears my voice. That's why it's so important to read your scriptures every day. 
Every day, you have to read the scripture every day to meet the Logos. And one who meets the Logos will not, uh, you will fall in love with the Logos. You will fall in love with truth. It's only when you put away the scriptures, and that's what the devil tries very hard for everyone to do, is to forget Bible reading and forget all this stuff, then you will forget you don't have a relationship with wisdom. If you see wisdom in front of you, you will love it. You will see the Logos, you will love it. The fourth and final thing about the Annunciation is the Annunciation. We should be excited for grace. Grace, something called grace. Why do we are excited for grace? Because grace is a free gift. Free gift of salvation. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. None of us earned it. But the Lord Jesus Christ, He gave it to you free. That's why in the, the epistles of St. Paul today, he said, who is righteous? He said, no one is righteous. Not you, not you, not you, not you. He said, all have fallen short. But then he said, by the blood of Christ, we have been saved. This is the work of God. He sent His only begotten Son to save us. In the Old Testament, we were under the law. And St. Paul, in the Apollyan epistle today to Romans, he talks about that. He says, under the law, you couldn't do it. You couldn't fulfill the law. How many of you have tried to live up to Christian standards and you couldn't do it? You can't. Actually, you can't do it. That's why you get very frustrated. You say, oh, I can't keep the laws. And then maybe either you use that to repentance and to cry to God and say, I need your help to help me fulfill the law. Or you say, this stuff is too hard. This is oppressive, actually. I'm not going to be... I'd rather just be a slave to my passions. That's not the way... This is grace. Grace is freedom and is, is a free gift that was given to you. One short story that I think highlights the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We said the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know in John 8, they brought an adulterous woman to Jesus and said, this woman was caught in the very act. They said, what say you, Jesus? What say you about this adulterous woman? They said, according to our law, she should be Stoned. So then the Lord, what He said to her, He said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. And then those who heard it, they got convicted in their hearts and they left. And then after the, everyone left, Jesus raised the woman and said, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Where are they? The ones that had the law over your head, the law that you couldn't fulfill. He says, where are they? And then the woman said, uh, he said, has anyone condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and what's the condition? So no condemnation, but go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. This is grace. Grace is forgiveness. That's why when St. Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother or my sister? He said, seven times 70. That's grace. You don't deserve to be forgiven 490 times or 
as many, it's not literally 490 times, but seven times. It was expression that you give unlimited forgiveness. That you give unlimited forgiveness. That's grace. That we are also supposed to give to each other. And grace, the only way to accept grace is to... The only way to accept grace is you have to accept the gift. Yeah, the gift is free, but guess what? You got to come take it. That's your part. That's what you have to do. That is on you. The gift of the Christ, the blood on the cross, done, saw everyone saved, but what you have to do, the gift is right here. Please come take it. You have to want it. You have to ask for it. That's why the St. Mary, what she said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. She said, I'm ready, I'll take it. That's mine. That's why we love St. Mary. She responded to her call for grace. The Annunciation, we, four things. We said, to live in the light. Ah, to be free from oppression. Ah, what's the third one? To meet the logos. And four, to be excited for grace. I hope we keep those things in our mind. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.